Hi gang, I'm Nat Coombs and you are listening to the Dropback Podcast. The Dropback with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns-Peak, Joe Costanzo and Sam Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of the Dropback Podcast. I'm Sam Lewis and joined as ever by Matt Burns-Peak. How we doing, Lisa Lily? Joe Costanzo. How we doing, Sludum? And Stan Wilson. Hello, Slu. Hello, guys. How are you all doing today? Doing good. I'm ecstatic. I'm not going to lie. I'm excited. Excited because, as you can tell from our intro, we do have a very special guest in Nat Coombs coming on the show later for an interview. But before that, we've got plenty to discuss. Right. So, the biggest news coming out of the NFL this week is. Well, the unfortunate injury to mm. that Prescott and what it means for the rest of the Cowboys season. I mean, thankfully, they do have maybe the best backup in the league, but it is still a big step down from Dak. Would you guys agree, or do you think the Cowboys seem all right? I think. Um, well, go ahead, Joe. I think personally that the Cowboys will, will do okay with Andy Dalton, but I can't imagine them really pushing for a playoff spot this year, especially given the start of the season they've had. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. But I think in terms of a step down, I think Dak's had a great season. But don't, don't underestimate the power of the Red Rifle. Andy Dalton, he could potentially come on and have a great season, perhaps take them to the playoffs, especially with the state that the, um, the NFC East division is in. Like They could, they could certainly make a place in the playoffs. Mm. I mean... I just think I just think it fucking sucks, to be honest. Like, it was a yeah. horrible injury to Dak, who we've talked about before. Is you know the numbers that he's put up this season and the play that we've seen out of him this season has been fantastic. Um, obviously, the situation with his contract, him being in playing on the tag this year, and, and everything. Like say, that. He's got no good... long-term security if this turns out to be a, you know, as it well could be a very long road to recovery. It sucks for one of the rising stars of the league, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact is, he was having an MVP caliber season. And after this year, he could have gone and demanded the contract that he was pestering Jerry Jones for in the offseason. Yeah, they're going to have that holding over his head, aren't they? Slightly being like, oh, we don't know if you're going to be quite the same guy. Because how mobile is, is a huge part of his game, especially down the red zone. He's had a load of rushing touchdowns already this year. I think that is probably the one aspect that Andy Dalton can't give because we all know he's accurate. He'll be a good game manager for them. And with the weapons, he'll probably put up a lot of points. But it does take away that added threat that Dak does provide because he's such a big body in the end. Um, red yeah. I, it was, it's a shame because, like you said, it's a contract year as well. And I, I'd hate to see Jerry Jones after Stan's article, which he put out this week on the, on the dropback.com, uh, where it goes all into the whole like contract mishaps that Jerry's been having, p- overpaying physique and everything like that. But after all this, using this as like leverage against Dak Prescott to get a better deal on the contract, when he deserves a, a big contract, to be honest, he was playing very well. He was keeping yeah. them in games, which you know they had all rights to be losing. Yeah, regardless of all this, whether he's, whether he's played well this season or not, I don't think they're going to be able to pay paid Dak anyway with the with the financial situation they've got. So this this very very much may be the last time we see Dak Prescott in a Cowboys uniform. 
There are a few pieces. You pointed out a couple of them in your articles that they could move on for it, to create that little bit of cap space. But not I mean, enough. One of them yeah. could be that I didn't see it was is Amari Cooper, who doesn't have much of a dead caps hit. And they've got two up and coming young receivers who may have almost surpassed him in terms of pure talent. Because Michael Gallup had a huge game this week <laughs> and showed some real like he could be that number He's one guy. A solid two solid number two, Michael Gallup. I I thought that even when he wasn't even when they drafted CD Lamb, it's like, well, Michael Gallup is still a, a more solid experienced number two there. But I wouldn't say he's a, a, a real number one receiver. He could yeah. be. And no, I think CD Lamb's been balling out the last the last few yeah. weeks especially. CD Lamb has looked really good. Yeah, it's just gonna be really really tough for the Cowboys to manage this offseason because you've just got some massive contracts on that team. And at the moment, in 2021, they're in negative figures and they've got to make up $2 million whilst adding another 12 players to the active roster. It's going to be and the defence needs a, needs a lot of work as well. I exactly. mean, That's probably why they can't sign L. They had another big injury on their D-line, Tristan Hill's done for the year. I mean, mm-hmm. they may, their defence may be bad enough that Dalton can't make up for it and they fall arse backwards into an early round pick. Yeah, in which case the they can pick up a game changer, but they've got, yeah. it's almost like all of these teams in the NFC East, it's detrimental to them all to get that wild card spot because they're not good enough to compete mm. and it pushes them down to like 20 odd pick in the draft. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. ludicrous to think that one of those teams is going to be in the playoffs is full stop. Could be seven and nine team in the NFC East get to the playoffs. It could be less than that. It, could, it, it may just no. be go down to which team wins the most NFC East games. That's a real possibility. Impressive. Yeah, true. Like you have a four, can you, is that possible to have a 4-12 and 12 team? Technically, who's won? I think if we won, win one out of division game, we can finish the season like 6-9-1 and one and win the division. Good God. Mm. Um, there are no football gods. Yeah, it's stupid. Not you depending know, on your point of view. Just on note of like QBs, I know I didn't really plan to to bring this up, but Alex Smith was a good story, like coming out after having that like gruesome knee injury. I did have like fifteen surgeries on. I just saw this video on YouTube the other day where they're kind of going over like all his surgeries and everything, and how they were saying they weren't talking about like him playing football again. They were talking about him walking again, yeah, and everything like that. So ESPN that did like a big expose on it. Um, I can't remember if it was ESPN or a different um, American channel, but they did like a, a thing like an hour-long special. That was over the summer, wasn't it? Yeah, over the yeah. summer. Yeah, I think so. But there was obviously like um, that. Also shows their their the Redskins aren't really trusting Dwayne Haskins at all, and there's some trade deals might actually happen with that because he was third string on the roster at the moment, mm. um, demoted from the starter at the beginning of the season. I know Stan has strong opinions on Dwayne Haskins, but. Is yeah. he not just the new Josh Rosen in terms of falling, no. falling into one of the situations where you can't succeed? No, yeah. no, he was, he's not the new Josh Rosen. He's not, he's not that good also. He just has exactly. a lot of overthrows in general. I don't know. I think if you look at it, a lot of it, a lot of it, if you're being kind, can be put up to the fact that he's trying to force things where he doesn't have a whole lot of weapons there to make plays. Yeah, but he... he um has spent his whole college career playing with Terry McLaughlin or whatever. And then I can't remember what his name is. McLaurin. McLaurin. Um, Scary Terry. And then you look at like Joe Burrow. 
who was throwing it. He's this his first year throwing it to fucking the rookie wide receiver T Higgins. T Higgins, yeah, and he played for Clemson, and he's got better chemistry with Joe Burrow than fucking Dwayne Haskins has with Terry McLaurin. I don't think we should look at it like that. Played with him for four, five years. Yeah, but Dwayne Haskins isn't as good a quarterback as Joe Burrow was. Joe Burrow is, and he never will be. Dwayne Haskins should never been taken that highly in the draft. Full stop. Yeah. Also, you could make the argument that T. Higgins is the number three or four receiver on that roster, so he's going to come up against lesser opposition in his, the corners he plays against. Terry McLaurin's the only threat that they have, so he's going to get doubled most plays. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. Exactly. They could do with like a decent tight end, but they needed so much for the Washington football team. Definitely. On young quarterbacks, Joe, I know I, you yeah, I was going to say Justin talk, Herbert as talk, well. Talking about another people, a person who had a lot of controversy coming into the draft, when um, Justin Herbert got picked at six, everyone was kind of surprised. And we, I know we all had an opinion of him coming out of that, of that draft. Whether it was positive or negative, I'm not. So don't look at me like that, you know. Oh, I, I'm not going to say I was overly positive. I was just. More I don't think any of us let's, were. Let's genuinely... wait to see. Let's wait to see where it goes before we slate him. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, you're not a slate him. You're not. I wasn't a fan of him. And yeah, Justin One Herbert. You, by the way, I didn't yeah. say his name. <laughs> uh, yeah. One of you guys. Stan, it's really... all right. It's all right. You've apologised last week. We don't need uh-huh. you to keep keep. Yeah, having yeah, yeah. a good know, sure. one of you guys shared a weekly bit in the podcast where Stan apologizes for something <laughs> for the season. Yeah, well, have... we'll, we'll make it we'll make it a recurring thing. Um, uh, but um, one of you guys shared a really good tweet from Brett Coleman earlier, and he basically just said he went into he went and watched um, Justin Herbert's oh. film, but it, he went in with a prejudice because of the um, the Mario Cristobal offense. Which doesn't, which isn't good for exposing quarterbacks like Josh, um, Justin Herbert and giving them the good exposure they need because of the fact it's just it's built around the pistol, it's built around short passes, not the deep ball, which Justin Herbert is so so good at. And that, no, no, I just saw, I just meant like just give him some appreciation for like the first half of that Saints game was ridiculous. Like he was showing stuff out there with a very, and Slew mentioned this earlier on to me that he, he has a very limited playbook in it with the Chargers offense at the moment. And it's, I don't know if it's because they just don't trust him enough or whatever, but um, on, a, on a lot of these plays, he's getting to his like third or fourth read and making just that. And he has the arm just to throw it anywhere on the field. So anywhere is really an option for him. He's basically got like, just, I, I watched um, one thing that was just how the longest throws of the season. And Justin Herberts was like second longest so mm. far this year. He's got a cannon of an arm. He can throw it from, He's that kind of player who can throw it in kind of awkward situations. And yeah, I just really like him. Uh, but yeah, he did. He's the great starts of the season. Yeah. It's a shame because I was arguing one thing I did want to bring up is like, it's interesting when people say, like, Saquon Barkley, for example, like, don't pick a running back at, at fourth. And because they might be good, but they might not, they're still not going to win you games. And Justin Herbert with the pick at six has been really good keeping the charges in these game, really close games, but he still hasn't actually won them any games. So you, could you make the same sort of argument? I think, no, the diff- I, think, I think the difference is that a quarterback can do more to elevate the entire offense than a world-class running back can. Exactly. The margin, the margin of diff- the difference between yards between a bad quarterback and a good quarterback is much greater than the margin of yards between a bad running back and a good running back. Yeah. The, the, the quarterback determines if your team wins or not, full stop. Unless you run some sort of wacky college offense, that's just how, that's how it works. And so Justin Herbert coming into this game, he, he was the correct pick for the Chargers at the time. Like we, none of us saw that. 
but he was the correct pick and he's going to be their franchise guy for years to come. I would like to see the play calling help him out a little bit more. Joe, we were talking about this, how he's basically having to throw on third and long all the time because they're rushing on first and second down. Yeah, and they don't have the running backs for it without Austin Eckler, really. Well, it's not even... Well, yeah, that's part of the issue as well, but it's more the fact that they're rushing into with a poor offensive line into stacked boxes because teams can see it's going to come. So... I don't know, maybe throwing a few play actions on early downs just to open it up a little bit more. But. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so as well. Uh, just on the, on the note of charges, though, the, their receiving threats, Mike Williams had a massive day. He had this amazing two touchdowns on the day and then also this crazy catch, catch he made in the last drive when they were going to win the game with that missed field goal at, at the end. But the catch he made to set them up for that field goal was ridiculous. He was being covered by Marshawn Lattimore and then... Uh, Williams, the Mark Will, Marcus Williams, the safety came came down as well. Double coverage, like jumped, adjusted for the ball in the air, and like basically caught it behind Marshawn Lattimore as he was like completely covered. It was ridiculous, and he's he's you know shown to he's taking a real step up, I think, this year. Yeah. Um, while we're on the AFC West, one of the more surprising results this weekend actually was the Raiders beating the Chiefs. And Raiders sitting at 3-2 and two now, mm. only losses really to the Bills and the Pats, who are both, we've said, good teams this year. Do we have to t- start taking the Raiders a bit more seriously? Yes. Gruden's Raiders are sneaky fun. Like, yeah. he, he's, a, he's a strange guy, but, like, they, they deserve to win that game. They played really well, especially on offense. They looked really good. Mm. Yeah, he, he called a great game. It's the, and in the first quarter especially, what I noticed is they've got the ability to rush out of passing formations and pass out of running formations. And that's that's what's built them into the balanced offense. And they are, despite the fact you've got a big, heavy power back like Josh Jacobs. You've also got a field general quarterback like Derek Carr, who put together an absolutely phenomenal game. And he threw his first pick of the season, which is very telling considering we're five weeks in. First pick in like 13 games, if you go back to the the last game against the Chiefs, I think. But, um... Also, we all knew that Derek Carr protects the ball. But the thing we, I think we all heard it going for was that he doesn't take those big shots. And I don't know if it's because they do now have that receiver that can Rugs. open up the entire field because Ruggs is rapid. He's so quick. Nelson Aguilar too. Nelson, yeah, Nelson, Nelson Aguilar Really good. I always I thought Nelson him. Aguilar was he just had that habit of making drops in big moments. He's, all, yeah, he's always he's been, been a pretty the decent player. This, this year so far for he's making a lot of some hands. Yeah. The hands have turned from stone into rubber. Yeah, to be fair, he did only get two receptions the other night off two two um, targets, but he did get that he did get like that touchdown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I think Ruggs is really good. They've just got weapons on this offense now, alongside Josh Jacobs. I think Darren Waller is secretly one of the better tight ends in the league. Um, what well, secretly? Because he's not, not called Mark Andrews. He's not. <laughs> he's not one of the big three, is he? <laughs> you mean the big two, and then Kelsey, Mark Andrews. Oh well, look who's got the most touchdowns this year, mate. Out of Mike Gesicki. Oh, because touchdowns are a great indicator for how good a player is. It's a pretty decent indicator. <laughs> anyway, but also their O line's looking good. Uh, you got yeah. Trent Brown coming back. Is he still the highest paid tackle? Either either way, he's healthy again now. What and what's their tackle called that everyone thought was going to be a bust? They moved him to left tackle and he looks decent now. You know the one I mean. Stand by your face does not know what I mean. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm a bit off the ball today. I'll, I'll but either way, they're able, they're able to move the ball 
on the ground in the end. The Chiefs haven't been terrible on defense this year. So it's a pretty good performance by them. Yeah, I think. And um, the Chiefs kept him in the whole game. I think Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek, everyone had a good game. Again, it's just they actually... Gruden's offense has begun to actually be able to keep up with these big teams. It's similar to what we said, how the Chargers were able to get success against the Chiefs offense, that they basically pressured Mahomes the entire game. Yeah, And I saw, I'm not smart enough to see this, but on Twitter, apparently what they were doing was having Arden Key, a quarterback spy on a lot of third downs. So when Mahomes likes to do his whole running around thing, wait 15 seconds and then just hammer it downfield to Tyreek Hill. It just isn't as much of an option for them. Yeah, no, it's a really, really smart move from them because obviously Arden Key is one of the more mobile defensive ends in the league. And the, yeah, the Raiders called a great game on defence all day. Jeff Heath, Jeff Heath came, in, came in clutch with a pick six. A near pick six late on in the game. And uh, yeah, he sealed, he sealed the game for the Raiders. Do the Raiders, so with these, what, three wildcard spots in each conference, is there a pretty good chance that they're one of the teams playing in January still? Or whenever yeah, the playoffs like, take place, yeah. depending on how many. They look like they deserve to play some mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I could see them in there for sure. I mean, like I said, they've just they just went and outscored Pat Mahomes and company, who I think is st- there's the Chiefs are still gonna be a team that most people I mean they're they're probably still favourites for the Super Bowl. I haven't looked yeah. at odds and stuff recently, but I'd be shocked if they weren't one of the favourites. Um and like we just said, the Raiders rocked up, called a great game, and outscored them. So, 100%. Love to see them in January. Okay. And two moving on to two other teams, hoping to play in January. Both were winning, winning records. Browns beating the Colts. Mm-hmm. And is this all on Philip Rivers? No. Yeah. Right, you go first, Joe, but it's yes. No, I think it was on the Browns' D-line being freaking amazing, to be honest, and completely outplaying the Colts' Offensive line. Yes, they were. Why are you shaking your head at me, Stan? How many sacks did they have? Olivia Vernon had like eight QB hits. Son. Ga- Miles Garrett got two sacks on the day and six hits. No, they had one sack. They had one sack on Philip Rivers. I'm not saying. I'm saying hits. It's Tate- different. You right, did just say Miles Garrett had two sacks. They yeah, he did have two sacks. Day. Jonathan Taylor was averaging four points. Miles Garrett did have two sacks. Look it up. I don't know. I don't know the box score in front of me. I looked. I went on the box score before the game. They sacked Philip Rivers once. Mate. Look, Miles Garrett had two and six cubic hits. All right, moving on, Joe. Provided your point is correct, keep going. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I think it's the the Browns did a really good um, thing, sort of bottling up Rivers and making him uncomfortable in uncomfortable situations where he couldn't make the throws he was making the rest of the season. He's been fine. Mm, has he? It's been all right. No, I think I think they'd be better off with Jacoby Brissett because he's not going to turn the ball over as much. I think that's all you need. This Colts team on defense and running the ball. No, I don't think they're going to cut him. But I yeah, I just checked. They had one sack on Philip Rivers. No way. It was two. Lots of pressures though, Joe. Lots of pressures. Anyway. But yeah, I completely agree. Either way, you're feeling uncomfortable, whether you sack him or not. You know, you know what makes you feel uncomfortable as well when you just can't make the throws that you used to make. And I mean, Rivers just looked—he looked off, man. I mean, two interceptions, no they, touchdowns. Not the pick close six was bad. The pick like six on third, on third down to Harrison. Yeah, that, that was, was just a, well, for a veteran quarterback. He throws a lot of bad picks as well. He does. You'd think by that eight. It's you the classic like out route that just shouldn't be thrown. 
and well, he, he doesn't have the arm strength anymore. No, that... it's not even that. He put it in just the fucking. The, he was reading. Harrison was reading it the whole time. Sorry. Yeah. <sighs> as a, as a what veteran QB? How old is he? Forty five now. He's taking. Forty five. <laughs> he's he's making mistakes that rookies make, and we, and they get slated for. And what annoys me as well is because he's always had this, you know, we've always known Philip Rivers as being that gunslinger that's going to, he's going to probably have around 20 interceptions a season, but he's going to get you 30 odd touchdowns a season or, you know, he's going to put so up big numbers. James Winston. Yeah. I'd rather have James Winston. At least, you get, at least he's got the arm strength to hit the big yards now. This is it though. Like, I don't understand the upside with, with, with Philip Rivers. And I said it when they signed him as well. I know we said, you know, could be a useful veteran presence, but... He, he still tries to make the throws, the, the high-risk throws that he used to make, and he used to, ha- he used to you know, get away with it, and, and some of them came off. The last few seasons, they have not come off, and they've not looked close to coming off. He's made bad decisions that he's... It's like, like you said, so it's like he's used to having better arm strength, and he hasn't adjusted to the fact that he can't make those throws anymore. Yeah, the, yeah. Only, reason, the only reason the Colts ever got back into this game at one point was because of an Isaiah Rodgers touchdown type touchdown off AM kick return oh, without and then, that they would have been completely out of it but then they but then uh, what's his name also did the fair catch inside the 20 Nine just, Hines yeah, yeah Hines Hines did a fair catch on the four yard line or something instead of just giving it a chance to go into the end zone maybe he's all the spin and to a safety dead also they got a safety that maybe that didn't count as a sack then no safety would count as a because sack it, no because it was intentional grounding when Miles Garrett was like going for him uh, okay so I don't know, but basically that's that's what I was thinking. But yeah, all in all, Philip Rivers played bad, and that's why the Colts lost. And I agree with you, Slu. I think that that team would be more competitive with Jacoby Brissett. I just don't think the the Colts defense really did anything to help on like they held Baker Mayfield to nine passing yards in the second half. I'm I mean, some of it, some of it was dropped. To run but... to the outside, if you'd let me finish. Sorry, Joe. Go ahead. Yeah, they weren't very good at stuffing the run to the outside. They kept getting gashed. <laughs> that was, that's what I was going to say. But yeah, think, Baker Mayfield didn't have a great game, but I mean, he turned out in the second half anyway. Bit of dropsies in the fourth from Odell and Jarvis Landry, though. That was a bit of a shock. Bit of a shock. Yeah, one of it. Yeah, the, to be fair, one of his interceptions was literally just off a, off a hit he took from Justin Houston, where he was absolutely just smashed into. So without that, it would have he would have been two two touchdowns, one pick. Not a bad outing, but yeah, he did get held to nine yards in that quarter, as you said. Do you see his like improvisation though when the play broke down in that game? I thought that was really good because he he would always just like improvise, roll out, and then extend the play in some way, and that's what you kind of get with Baker, and that's when he's playing his best, I think. Um, yeah, he's really good in that rollout to the right hand side of the pocket. Yeah, but he does love to throw across his body as well, which is strange. Dangerous. He's got balls. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, do both these teams make the playoffs, or are you worried about the Colts? Well, I'm worried about the Colts. I don't trust Philip Rivers. I don't like Philip Rivers. He shouldn't be there, and he's not going to win them playoff games. Hundred percent agree. I don't think that. I don't think that with Rivers there, with the decision. I mean, certainly how he's played in the last couple of seasons. I don't think that that offense scores enough points to be able to make the playoffs. I don't think that their defense. Um is consistent enough either at the moment to rely on that rushing attack that they they love to use because um, if that isn't working out then you're just kind of screwed 
And to be fair, the Colts' defense for the last three games held their opponents to twelve points. Or less. Their secondary's kind of been gashed as well with some injuries. Um, yeah, but no, but I'm saying, the, okay. I'm saying, the, I'm saying the Colts' defense for the last three games they hold that held their opponents to twelve points or less in the game. So I don't think the Colts' defense has been an issue previously. Yeah, they, they weren't as good on uh, Sunday against the Browns for sure, but they have they they've held their own at times this season. Yeah, they didn't. They've been great this season, apart from that game against the Browns. Um, yeah, they need to be able to keep them keep them in games though, because they need to be able to use Jonathan Taylor, and he only got twelve carries on Sunday. Mm. And if you if you carry on playing like that, relying on the arm of Philip Rivers, they aren't going to win many football games at all. And Jonathan Taylor is still one of the ones who scored. There was a wide open touchdown though; anyone could have run that in. Help the fantasy team though. <laughs> I'm sure that's why they did it, Joe. <laughs> Cheers, Philip. Okay, so moving on, we talked about the Raiders Chiefs being a surprise, but I don't think it was as much of a surprise as Miami beating the 49ers with some of their big players back from injury. Joe, I know you had it predicted to win, but that was more the fact that you couldn't be bothered to change your pick than anything else. No, it wasn't. You had the, you did I the literally Dolphins. said, I feel like the Dolphins are going to win. Matt, yeah. I never take your Dolphins prediction seriously because you have them to win every week. Because but the, you know what? You've earned this moment. Take it away. Excellent. I mean, the Dolphins played such a good game on Sunday. And the Dol- to say that the 49ers had some of their stars coming back, the Dolphins had several stars out. Austin Jackson, who's been fantastic this season at left tackle, the rookie, um, he, he, this is the first game he missed this season. Possibly he's going to be out for a while. So going into this game, I was seriously concerned about you know, what's that O-line going to look like? It's been decent so far this season, but without Austin Jackson, who has been one of the standout pieces there, I I was not hopeful. Um, but I mean, to be fair, defensively especially, absolutely fantastic. We had a pass rush, despite missing key, key pieces on the defensive line. Um, the, the secondary looked shut down. Byron Jones and Javon Howard, when, when both have played, um, the secondaries com- has looked completely different, and that those two as a, as a cornerback tandem have been fantastic. Balled out again on Sunday, and then offensively as well. It's frustrating with Fitz with Fitzpatrick, as we all know, because he does love to yo-yo between moments of terrible play to moments of absolute brilliance. And well, I mean, what can you say? Sunday, he was, Sunday was Fitz magic. Yeah, he absolutely balled out. At a time when there's been quite a lot of talk about would he even be the star for this game with his most recent performance before this. A lot of call for Tua to potentially start. No, it's too early. Played fantastically. So Is it too early? It's slightly well, well, too way too early. I hope you're happy with yourself. I'm absolutely delighted. Well, that was terrible. You. No, I don't think, think Tua sh- should have really had any chance to start in the first half of this season. And, but, and the Dolphins didn't want him to. The Dolphins don't want him to, and that's why the fact that the week before there was so much clamour about Fitzmagic's performance, um, that it, it forced a decision. Um, you know, Brian Flores was quite tight-lipped early on in the in the week about who would start the game, um, and Fitzpatrick got the nod and showed why. Really, I think it was a fantastic team win. It's interesting the ramifications that this will have on San Fran and especially Jimmy G. I know he was just coming back from injury, so you know it, he probably wasn't fully fit. But and to be fair as well, his O line played absolutely terribly. Yeah, 
there was a lot of blood there was a lot of blown coverage not coverage protection calls where you would free rushes basically on both running and passing plays so Mm. i think he was skittish because like you said he's partially injured and they weren't holding up in protection but on top of that there were some throws that you've just got to make if you're getting paid as much as jimmy g is both weren't good I mean, it's the the one that that he he's tried he's tried to take the deep shot um, for the McCain pick, and he just put he just gets so much air on it. And is that the one that's over the middle? Yeah, yeah. The um, that, just that, that one where he tries to hit he tries to hit the deep uh, the deep route, and he basically just the ball just hangs in the air, just doesn't put enough arm on it, and it just mm. and McCain comes across from the safety position and picks it off, and then the one to Javon Howard, it looks like he just didn't even really see Javon Howard. It's what one of those. You don't know what's happened. Really. Like it's just lack of game experience over the f- few the last few weeks has a has a lot of, lot of effect on different people. Um, but one thing I would just want to say when you mentioned Fitzpatrick's performance and how good he was last uh, this week, just the only thing I would say is this that you guys need him to be more consistent. Like he can't just have one game amazing and then the next game trash and then just yo yo between, like you said. Um, yeah, I don't think it really matters to be honest whether Fitzpatrick is consistent, whether he plays well or not. Because ultimately, this year means nothing for the Dolphins. It's a, it's a fun year, it's a, it's a year where there are no stakes at all. There's nothing to risk apart from Tua's health if you put him in. But it must just be exciting to be a Dolphins fan, seeing seeing the future around you. A hundred percent, and 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 especially in the trenches. Um, I know we've said the charge the charges the Forty Nineers uh, O line didn't play particularly well. But you know, some of that is because the the blitz packages and stuff that Brian Flores was were calling confused them. They they didn't know what to yeah. do with it, especially those double A gap blitzes that really got them on skates quite early doors, and they didn't really recover. And on the on the flip side, a, 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 the Dolphins O line has been a top ten O line this season, and I genuinely can't remember the last time I've I've been able to say anything like that about Dolphin, Dolphins O line play. And then you remove one of the stars from it, and you get the same. Production. I was going to say, how much of an impact do you think that had in not paying to a, you know, There was a lot of chatter, but with Austin Jackson out playing against what potentially looks like a good 49ers team, obviously the reality isn't what we expected. Mm. Do you think that played a significant impact in Flores' decision? Or do you think he wasn't going to go with it anyway? I think it, was, it, I think it definitely played a part. I don't think it was the ultimate factor. Um, I think ultimately, as we've said, you've got to weigh up the risk reward. Yes, maybe Fitzpatrick looked bad last week, but also is it is there any point rushing to that sort of decision and putting the the future of the franchise in jeopardy? Um I think yeah, I think the fact that Austin Jackson was out there wasn't out there um would have played a part in that decision. I'd be shocked if it didn't. Um but ultimately even if Austin Jackson's in there, I don't think you necessarily play to her. Um mm-hmm. In a game that you're probably slated to lose, risk. there's no yeah. point either. There's just no point. I don't think you guys are particularly expecting, at least from a front office perspective, to win a lot of games this year. So any games you do win, it's kind of what happened at the end of last year. Like everyone's thought the Dolphins are like, oh, okay, they they could do with like a losing season here to rebuild again, and then you you start winning games. Yeah. Um, it does wonders for morale as well that you can win games even when you're not expected to. Reckon but you'll it, beat the Pats. Do you reckon you'll beat the Pats? Do I reckon we'll beat the Pats? Yes, I do. Is that dependent on Cam Newton if he plays or not? Yeah, yeah. Say Cam Newton's playing. I think it's more dependent on if we get our full strength defense out. To be honest, I think that's fair enough. 
I think it depends more on the fact of what uh, what Ryan Fitzpatrick you get, whether you get Fitz Magic or whether you get yeah. the the, work, the much worse alternative. Mm. Because like, the Pats' offense is never going to be ridiculously high scoring because of the fact that it's all pretty much run based. It all depends on whether you can get that yeah. run, that that aerial attack going through through Fitzpatrick. Well, this is the thing as well with um, with coming up a te- with a team like the Pats. When we first played them, our run defense was awful. Um, it's come on leaps and bounds since then. But huge loss from Sunday is Devon Godchard is potentially out for the season, if not going to be returning very, very late in the season with a, a biceps injury. And he's been top five D tackle in football uh, against the run. Um, mm. So you take him out of the equation, that that front suddenly looks more porous to the run. And we've already seen that Cam Newton, the damage that Cam Newton can do against the Dolphins front from earlier in the season. Week one irrespective of what happens for the rest of the season, to be honest, there are plenty of reasons to be optimistic You, as a Miami fan. Absolutely. And going from one Miami Dolphin fan to the reason we're hoping people are listening to the podcast this week, it's time to listen ahead to the future. Joe editing, going to do wonders right now to our interview with Nat Coombs. So welcome back. You'll know our next guest from the NFL coverage on Channel 5, Channel 4, Talk Sports and the International Series. Maybe you'll even know him from the comedy circuit back in the day. He's the current host of the Nat Coombs Show on ESPN UK and one of the leading faces of NFL here at home. It's Nat Coombs. Woo! Yay. It's lovely to be here. It just made me think, God, when you said that, uh, remember you from the comedy circuit, if you've booed me off stage uh, <laughs> in your life, then hello, thank you for that. It's maybe the man I am today. <laughs> we're glad to hear it and as we've heard from the intro you've been involved in this scene for a really long time I mean no offence of course that wasn't attended as a shot <laughs> yeah. you're ancient it, it, mate I'm, you're, you're, you're so yeah, old honestly 64 years old just look, I just look like, like, I'm like the Pete Carroll of the NFL UK yeah. <laughs> nice. in that time I know since we've all been involved it looks like the sport's grown here um, from your mm. point of view do you notice that as well? Yeah, massively. So my first season was, and this is showing my age, was 2007. That's when I first started presenting back on Channel 5, as you, as you, as you said. And look, there was obviously a fan base then, and, and particularly my generation. So kids of the 80s, right, and, and 90s, that, uh, that was the stronghold. And, and coincidentally, that season was the first year we had an international series game. And you just saw gradually, year on year... Uh, the, the fan base grow. And there are lots of reasons for that. I think bringing the, the international series and, and specifically the fact that it's an A game. You know, we had exhibition mm. games back in the day. I joke about a lot with, with Vernon Kay because uh, we're mates and we've worked together a lot and with similar age, similar generation that you go to, <laughs> you go to a, an exhibition game at London, uh, at Wembley in London, and you might see Joe Montana in row five, you know, not even suited up. It was that kind of thing. Whereas yeah. the international series bringing the A game, that was, that was very much a game changer. And of course, digital and, and you know, the, the onset of podcasts and, and shows like yours and, and many others and, and social media, of course, I think has just made uh, information and ideas and uh, discussion accessible. So I think that's had a big part to do with it as well. Absolutely, yeah. especially now we've got the new uh, show on Channel Channel Five on Sunday mornings now as well. It's been a massive help, and it just shows yeah. how much the game's progressing forwards. Yeah, definitely, terrestrial coverage is 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 super important uh, for sure, and and I think that's something that is great to see with that show with Monday Night Football as well coming back on on Channel Five. I mean, I, I think that was something that was perhaps underestimated by NFL UK uh, when it was taken off free to air because I know I've, I've met so many people that 
found the game through our, our live coverage, you know, uh, and, and came across it. Uh, I came across it, uh, you know, back in the day on Terrestrial, just stumbled across it. And I think that is, that is really important. And it's great to see them wrapping a studio around the Channel 5 stuff as well, because I think when you are watching, we've all been there as fans at, you know, two, three in the morning uh, and you're staying up and pu- yeah. pulling a night shift. It's just good to have that s- sense of community and you're in it together. We certainly used to love doing that back in the day on the late night shows. Yeah, we, we usually have to just like get a Zoom call going or something just to stay awake. Just to- <laughs> when, it, when it hits like the third quarter and you're like, oh, yeah. well. Uh, on the game. with a coffee. If, if, does, the Jets does, are, yeah. if the Jets are playing, I'm in bed by the end of the first quarter, to be yeah, honest. Monday night, Jets versus <laughs> Broncos. give it that much time. <laughs> right. No, so one of the games though this weekend that we did want to have you on here to talk about was supposed to be tonight, unfortunately has been postponed. Mm. The two four and one teams the chiefs are the bills probably want to stay up for and how do you see this one going well i mean they both need to pick themselves up right after after what happened last time i mean i was trying to work out on on my espn show how many times i'd watched the henry stiff arm oh, <laughs> yeah. in what the over under is for watching that in 24 hours i mean i think it's in the it could be in three digits right it is um although having said that the bills held henry to three yards of carry Right. And, and that seems to be a bit of a theme at the moment. I know Henry is obviously a beast and I love him as a player. And it, it's not all about specifically yards per carry because he's prolific in terms of scoring touchdowns. He'll break a run, which will change the dynamic of a game of a drive, certainly. But he isn't breaking through the same way he was last season. So on the I don't one think he needs to. I don't think he really needs to in that sense because um, you've got the Ryan, Ryan Tannehill play action game. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Yeah. Just the, vol- the volume of runs from Derrick Henry. They don't necessarily have to be game breakers. All they've yeah. got to do is just keep the defense honest, essentially. Yeah, and, keep, and control the clock as well. And Tannehill, what I mean, he's the most underrated player in the history of the game, right? I mean, he is. Uh, he could be in the running for MVP in, yeah. in some camps, really. He's what? I think he's ten and one at the moment. Ten so, touchdowns. Yeah, I never thought I heard say on the podcast. I know yeah. it's, it's crazy oh. to think, but and they're one, <laughs> so they're one game behind everyone as, as well. But bringing that back to the game, I mean, there you go. Josh Allen, his MVP chances are shot now, right? After that game, there's no, there's no way he's... Uh, I mean, look, he's... Um, I, I guess the Bills have to they'll look at the playbook that, that obviously Belichick and McDaniels in particular seem to have, if not perfected, then certainly led, uh, led the league in, which is controlling the clock. They're in that Patriots-Chiefs game, obviously, ultimately, the, the Chiefs won. I think it would have been very different if, if Cam had been playing. But there were two drives in particular that were just massive, massive time eaters. And uh, the Raiders tried to do the same thing, of course, and in fact had a couple of big drives. And the Bills will need to do the same. They'll need to get their ground game going keep Mahomes away just keep Mahomes away from the field at any uh, by any means necessary um, but you can run on him right you can run on the Chiefs so J- Jacobs and the Raiders did it last time out yeah uh, teams have been able to do that for the last couple of years so I think I think the Bills have got a fighting chance here yeah it'll be interesting to see if they do do that because this year they have moved away from that running game they've gone towards Josh Allen and it has absolutely worked for them but as you said, the Chiefs' weakness is that middle of the run defense. And they've got mm. capable running back in Devin Singletree as well, who, who can easily bear the load. Um, I think, like, just going back to what you said just now, the Patriots kind of gave an outline of a way to handle this Chiefs team. I know they didn't come away with the victory, but like I said, the Raiders picked up a lot and the Bills are going to have to sort of emulate their game after that sort of style to, to get things moving, I think, as well. I think the, the danger with, or the, the challenge with, looking at what Belichick does in, in particular is it's all very well understanding the theory, but it's then the application in practice. And that's a lot to do with personnel. You need a, a really fast, certainly a fast secondary, but really speed running through a lot of your, of your D to even have a chance. And it was, I think it was really interesting hearing Belichick 
in the build-up to that game, actually, against the Chiefs, talking about how Andy Reid, why he's such a brilliant offensive mind, because it's not just the innovation in terms of the play design uh, and schematically the play design, but the fact that he'll then run on almost identical play and just change the pieces, right? So you, you mm. think, am I dealing with Kelsey? Am I dealing with Sammy Watkins? Is it McCall Hardman? And each of those players, he'll just move around in the same yeah. in the same design play. And you just, you know, and if someone like Belichick is saying that's hard to deal with, then, then you know defensively yeah. it's hard. To Everyone's deal with. got problems then, yeah. Right, big time. Well, especially a Bills defense that has struggled against the pass somewhat this year. And you've just mentioned all the weapons that the Chiefs have. Even in a bad game last week, Mahomes still threw over 300 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Mm. How do they slow that down? And the one, and the one he threw to Tyreek Hill that got called yeah. back early doors, which was, an, I mean, an unbelievable throw. I hate it when you see an amazing play that just gets called back yeah. for an offensive hold, which nobody's been calling all season long. And then, oh, now you choose to call a hold after we've just seen yeah. incredible play. I mean, I think, I think the reality is you can't, barring the odd exceptional game, you can't completely contain Mahomes. He will always, mm. I mean, he did, you know, he broke out a run against the Patriots. I think it was a third, it was a third and long anyway. And he broke out a 19 yard run, which kept that drive alive. And, you know, so he would just, he'll, he'll find something. I mean, he did that, you know, most tellingly, of course, in, in the Super Bowl, just turn that game on yeah. his head uh, when the 49ers thought they had him. So I think you're never going to completely contain them. The question is, can you limit him? Can you uh, really just give him as little, a little time to think to get in his face uh, and as little time really to, um, if he needs to improvise, just to kind of keep him tight and keep him hemmed in. Belichick talks a lot about keeping, uh, looking, uh, when when they're pushing the Chiefs into the red zone, making that, the, the real challenge that you know you better not break you know you're going to give up big plays you know there are so many playmakers here that Mahomes like Deshaun Watson does will somehow wheel out of danger and keep things alive but then make sure that you're narrowing things down and narrowing the field so I think control the clock you gotta land some blows as well because you know they're going to put up points uh, and I, it's a really good point you make I wonder whether they will stick to their guns the Bills and have faith in Josh Allen or will they look at his performance against Tennessee and think, oh boy. Uh, I think as well, that if you look at the, the Chiefs past D, the secondary mm. specifically, mm. on the outside, they're quite, hard to, they're quite hard to beat. But inside, that could be the way to them. So Beasley could be quite a prominent player in this game as well. So yeah, I do think they've got a shot. I mean, I think the Chiefs get the win ultimately, but I think the Bills mm. have a shot. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think Chiefs do get the win in this one. But... As the Bills' defensive coordinator, what you need to be looking at is how the Raiders, they handled Pat Mahomes last week. They often left Arden Key back on a spy. They'd have two linebackers sitting back in like a soft soft zone. They'd be spying the eyes of Pat Mahomes. Every time he sort of shifted in the pocket, they'd be moving with him, mirroring his movements. And that's part of how they shut down the game. Yeah. Other than completely shutting down Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as well. Yeah. Why obviously they couldn't run because they were behind for most of the game. And that's the key for the Bills. They've got to get ahead early. That's yeah. what they have to do. And stop, stop. Mahomes' best talent, which is improvising as well. That's what the, the spy was so good for last week. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So is anyone going to take a go with the Bills? Or are we all on the Chiefs? It's hard to vote against them, isn't it, really? Well, well, I'm, I'm going to find it. I think everyone's going to find it really hard to bet for the Bills after what we saw. In, well, but they were doing so well. First like, ever Tuesday night football, yeah. They, 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 so they well don't play defence. The question is, with that Tuesday night game, I've seen a lot of ex-players mention how the freshness of the Titans was actually a benefit for them rather yeah, than a hindrance. True. I don't know. Now, I know you probably speak to quite a few ex-players. Is that something that they mentioned to you? 
what the, the fact they're up against it and one well, no, of the fact that the they haven't actually done any physical training for the last it's two like weeks. I, I think, week. yeah i think it's it was there was a kind of mixed opinion about that really it's a really good question because i think that clearly as you say coming off a bye so the recuperation and the and the rest no doubt even early on in the season you know when you talk to most players past or present the, uh, and this is something that really resonated with me early on that i hadn't really considered most players play banged up most of the time to a, to yeah. a stronger or lesser degree right so any rest is good and of course from a uh, strategic perspective and a coaching perspective then the more time to prepare the better as well right so those two things for sure the flip side of that was the uh the the challenges they faced in terms of access to the facility which i guess given the preseason or the offseason that we've had was maybe more manageable than than perhaps it would have been if it had been a completely new thing to have to tackle but i think a lot of people thought the titans are going to really struggle here because of their fractious preparation for the game um and not to mention the fact that they've been vilified by a lot of areas of uh, both media and, and fans suggesting that they transgressed rules and were irresponsible in that respect. Mm. And are they going to get Dr. Game and all of these different things? Although I think, and that's what I thought you were getting at initially, I think that has galvanized them or certainly galvanized them. And it was, you know, us against the world. And you see that a lot with teams where, where they are, you know, the Patriots have made a, you know, a dynasty out of this ultimately, yeah. you know, where they are public enemy number one, or they are being uh, chastised and criticized. They use that as, 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 as motivation. And I think the Titans did absolutely, I mean, I think Henry's play on normal, we joke about it, but I think that's absolutely what that mm. was. It was just a, a, a big shut up to all the haters out there. When you say it like that, it just reminds me of even when the Legion of Boom were being hailed as the best defense, their whole thing was, we're all we've got, we're all we need. Right. And yeah. It just made they can put yeah. themselves in that mindset, even when people are backing them. I was against the world. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Right. Matt, I think you had a, a thing you wanted to ask as well. Yeah, well, I mean, we can't really have, for the first time ever, other than myself, having another Dolphins fan on the podcast and not really broach the, the Tour Fitz Magic topic. I know, obviously, that is a little bit less relevant, seeing as Fitz had one of his up games last weekend, right. um, which was really needed, seeing as the sort of clamour, especially in some groups of fans, was it is approaching Tour time. Um, I do think last weekend has delayed that slightly. When do you sort of see Tua being thrown into the line of fire? I would like it to be sat for most of the season, to be honest. Mm. I, I'm, I think call for him this season is, is... Well, look, let's look at both sides of the argument. I'm, I'm a definite member of the camp of let a young quarterback sit as long as they can and learn. Yeah. That Roger's under Favre. Uh, Mahomes under... Um, uh, under Alex Smith. Alex Smith. Um, I almost said Andy Reid. Yeah. <laughs> just written about <laughs> Alex, Alex Smith for the Times an hour ago, and I forgot his name already. Um, <laughs> the uh, so I, I, I'm a big fan of that, and and it's typically uh, untenable in in the modern NFL because invariably, if you're drafted in the first round in a high first round pick, you're going into a bad situation, and the fans clamor for you to start straight away. Miami aren't really in that situation. They've got a free hit this year, right? They. Yeah. No one's really expecting them to make the playoffs. As long as they don't massively regress from last year, then they're going to be, they're going to be fine, or at least the, the perception of what Flores is doing is going to be fine. So why risk it? Now, the, the other side of the argument is you can only really ever learn and progress when you're playing, right? And I talk, again, you talk to, I mean, J-Bell talks about this a lot, right? Where we were talking about, just joining the last two things together, right? We were talking about preseason and covid preseason preparations and how much that's going to affect rookies and Jay Bell was saying to me 
there are two types of players. One that you can show them X's and O's and show them screens and footage and they get it and they understand it and they're fine with that. And then a group that just whatever, whatever, they might nod and smile and take notes, but they have no real grasp of what you're asking them to do till you're out there, right? And doing it. And he said, if I'm honest, the majority of players are more like that. However smart they are in terms of understanding and interpreting film, there's nothing like being out there and doing it. And it's the same with a young player and certainly a young quarterback. There's only so much theory you can, uh, you know, you can grasp and you're only going to really learn. So I, I understand the need to get to blood players in at some point, but the idea of chucking him in in week five, when there's not, for me, there's no upside, particularly with yeah. his injury issue. So mm -hmm. I would, I would definitely sit on him for most of the season. What about you? Where are you? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm at the same sort of point as well. I think it's always, especially in the modern NFL, as you said, you draft someone in the first round, the expectation is everyone wants to see the, the shiny new toy out there, right? But right. as you said, I, I just don't think that there's the need. I think it's easy to get carried away when, you know, if it's Magic has a bad game and suddenly, you know, you, especially with that game as well, with the, the five trips to the red zone and the, the lack of sort of production at that end, that's why there was so much sort of clamour. But I think ultimately you've got to put that long-term vision in place of, it's just not worth the risk. Even if Tua goes out there and plays fantastically well, mm. it's still not putting him in the best opportunity to succeed, I don't think, for me. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Just, just This is why he, he says this, but then he brings it up every week on, on the podcast. So <laughs> I, wouldn't take... I am one of those fans that gets carried away when Vince <laughs> Magic change your mind every week. I love that. Yeah. We're, all, we're all guilty of recency bias, so fair enough. Mm -hmm. 100%. Lily, well, we are aware that you do have a hard out in a couple of minutes and that, but thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything you'd like to plug about some upcoming projects? Well, you know what? The ESPN show is um, available on all good podcatchers. So uh, that is called the Nat Coombe Show, which I'd like to point out for the record is an ESPN decision. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> categorically, uh, but it, it's a lot of fun because we have a lot of your favorite uh, voices and faces from, from this side of the pond. So J Bell OC, Carlson, of course, uh, and you know a good gang here, but also a lot of the ESPN crew. So I'm about to. The reason I got a hard out with you guys is I'm about to go and uh, chat to Jeff Darlington, who's on our show uh, today. Nice. And uh, lots of uh, regular Matt Berry or Matthew Berry, kill me for calling him Matt, and uh, a lot of the <laughs> ESPN voices that you uh, would know and love as well. So it's a show that we really. Uh, look to getting you up to speed and everything you need to know. That's kind of the basic idea, right? So whilst I've got this brilliant collection of contributors that can add insight and analysis and break stuff down, we try and cover the big stories, the big topics. So if you are at the gym, you're going for a walk, you're just trying to buy half an hour away from the craziness that we're all going through at the moment, mm -hmm. it's that kind of show. And we uh, hopefully do it with a smile on our face and don't take ourselves too seriously. No, we've all listened to it and it is absolutely worth checking out. If somehow you found ours and you haven't found Nat Coombs, I don't... And first of all, I don't understand how that's happened, but yeah, you're doing it thank wrong, you but... anyway. But make sure you do go and listen to his podcast. Um, so anyway, thanks again, Nat. And um, Pleasure. I think we're going to have to let you go now. Listen, fellas, thanks for having me. And congratulations on what you're doing as well. Keep rolling with that. Keep rolling with that. It's great to see. Lovely. Cheers, Nat. Back to the studio. So a huge thank you for Nat for coming onto our show. It means a a massive amount for us and before we do finish this podcast off we have a quick moment for would you like to hear our pick'em scores lads yes oh, yes hell yes big time yes matt for someone that's very excited you're sitting in last place but did um, i do well i mean you came tied first by one win good 
I'll take it. Well, yeah, so this week, on. Matt and Joe went nine and three. Stan and myself went eight and four. So not Oof. a whole lot changed in terms of the entire standings. I mean, that was to be expected where apart from the three game games, play. one game to play, but I think we all went with the Bills, so it doesn't make a difference. Okay. And at the point this is coming out, we will know. But for now, sitting in fourth place, Matt Burns Peak, 49, 25 and one. In third place, Joe Costanzo, 50, 24 and one. Stan Wilson, second place, 52, 22 and one. And I'm one point in the lead still, 53, 21 and one. But slightly closer than last week. Uh, I'll be next week, Slow. We're actually mad good at predicting games. Yeah, we are. We're silly we're, skilled. We're those, are, those are really good, like, just numbers to... If we put bets... They on, are good numbers, Joe. Like, because we've had a few weeks where we get, like, ridiculous things. I might stop putting accumulators on my bets for pickums. You haven't gone 16-0 and 0 yet. When the, when yeah, the fun stops, stop. You only need it once. And Paddy Power, if you're listening, <laughs> sponsor the show. What are you doing? That rules us out of all the other ones. Bet365 are really interested Sorry, before you said that. Insert betting company here if you are interested in a slot either way that does bring us either way that does bring us though to the end of the show thank you for listening again another thank you for nat for coming on it does mean a lot to us if you want to see more of our content check out our social medias instagram and twitter at the dropback facebook at the dropback uk our website, we've got, which we've got a lot of content coming out over the last week or so, including Stan's new article on the future of the Dallas Cowboys. That can be found at thedropback.com or .co.uk. Either way, really easy to find. I've been Sam. I've been Matt. I've been Joe. I've been Stan. And until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm. The Dropback with Sam Lewis. Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Stan Wilson. Okay. Dropping F bombs left, right, and centre, Joey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the one time we've got a. Re- uh, reputable guest on the podcast joe's just going to make sure that it's going to get banned for swearing the whole way through it's a one and done um, as, an, as an ex-running back can we just get can we just take joe joe around ladies of university doing oklahoma against their best players you guys that's <laughs> joe oklahoma <laughs> Joe Oklahoma. <laughs> Joe Oklahoma. I, I, yeah, that would be 